I don't even want to. I don't want to think about it. It's a scary thought, uh, but I'm glad that he did come to save us. Mark chapter number six is where we're going to be uh, this morning. And so, if you have a Bible, if you would turn to Mark in chapter number six, uh, we finished chapter five. We're making our way through the Gospel of Mark, and uh, we're five chapters down. Just uh, eleven more to go. Uh, Mark chapter number 6, and uh, as you're turning there, if you would join me in standing for the reading of God's Word. One thing I forgot to mention in the announcement time is that uh, we had an absolute blast, no pun intended, yesterday at the uh, Bullets and Barbecue activity. Uh, We had just a great time. There was a lot of testosterone going on there. It was awesome. And uh, we were, you know, who had the biggest, loudest gun and you know, all that type of stuff. It was, it, was, it was a great time, and the food was wonderful. The fellowship was even better than it all. So uh, I just appreciate everybody who uh, got to be a part of that. And next year, uh, we are, this is going to definitely be a, some people want to do it every week, but <laughs> I don't think we could do it every week. But, um, but I think uh, when we do it again next, you, you all need to be a part of that. And uh, I know there's a, uh, there's a certain segment in our church lobbying for a co-ed bullets and barbecue activity. So we'll see. Uh, we may open it up to, um, uh, to the prettier gender so as well. But uh, it was a good time to just be men and, uh, you know, not have to watch our manners and stuff like that. It was, it was kind of nice. <laughs> um, but uh, big thanks to Brother Scott for, uh, 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 Stino for putting that on, and uh, it, was a, it was a great activity. So, all right, Mark chapter 6, back to, back to the, the, the scriptures here. Um, we talked about bullets, we talked about barbecue, now it's, let's go to the Bible, all right? Stay with the alliteration there. Mark chapter 6, we're going to read the first six verses here of this chapter, that's all we're going to hit today. Um, there's a lot, this is actually the second longest chapter in the book of Mark. Uh, Mark chapter 14 is the longest, but this is the second longest. So we're going to take some time going through here, but, uh, but this first section we'll, we'll, we'll hit today. Uh, Verse number one of Mark 6 says this, And he went out from thence and came into his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? Is not this the carpenter? the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and of Judah and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country, and among his own kin, and in his own house. And he could, and he could there do no mighty work save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went round about the villages teaching. And let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for the service thus far, for the beautiful music, um, for the truth in those songs. And Lord, now thank you for the opportunity to focus in on the scriptures, on the holy word of God. I pray, Lord, that uh, you would remove distraction from our minds, and uh, Lord, help us to now focus upon what your word has to say, 
uh, for our lives. And we pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. As I mentioned, we're going through the uh, Gospel of Mark, and uh, we're five chapters down. I do want to just take a quick moment and review what just took place in chapter number five. Uh, last week, if you remember, we saw how Jesus performed two miracles in one. There was basically a miracle within a miracle, uh, how he healed a woman who had been sick for 12 years. Imagine having a sickness for 12 years. And uh, this woman was completely out of money and completely out of options. But yet she was healed because she was simply, she simply touched uh, the clothing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and immediately was healed because she touched him out of faith. We also saw how he raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. And if you need a reminder, I may have to have uh, Faith and Julie come up and, and uh, relive that. Should we do that? You all probably wouldn't mind. They would probably mind quite a bit. Um, but uh, Julie's astonishment was astonishing at how great uh, she was at acting there for those who were here last, uh, last Sunday. But uh, in chapter 5, we saw how Jesus has power over devils, how he has power over disease, and praise the Lord, we saw how he has power over death as well, how he raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. No doubt this news of his power and his miracle working power began to spread and really kind of go viral uh, now, of course, they didn't have social media back then, but they had word of mouth, and, and that word of mouth was beginning to spread quite a bit. And uh, those miracles that Jesus did in chapter 5 uh, really did begin to spread around. And uh, no doubt, even to Nazareth. And so after these miracles, the Bible records here in chapter 6, verse 1, he went out from thence, so he was in Capernaum doing these miracles. He goes from there. And then he came to his own country. He heads back to Nazareth, his homeland, to minister to those people there that he grew up with. Now, most of you know that uh, my homeland is not here in Oklahoma. I'm not an Oklahoma boy. How many of you would say, I am an Oklahoma boy or girl? I mean, this is where I grew up. Okay, A lot, a lot of you grew up here in Oklahoma. Um, I grew up in California, okay, don't tell anybody here in Oklahoma, don't spread it around, okay, because I know that California doesn't have the best reputation here in Oklahoma, and rightfully so, I understand that, anybody else raised in California, all right, okay, a couple cool people in the room today, okay, good, and I, I kind of knew a couple of you, and, and uh, Julie, your hand was not Southern California, but California. Uh, I'm from Southern California, dude, okay? Uh, I was born in Ventura, and I grew up in the high desert of Lancaster, California. Lancaster is my hometown. I went to preschool on 5th Street East at El Dorado Park. Uh, I went to Linda Verde Elementary School from kindergarten all the way through sixth grade. Um, I played uh, roller hockey in that uh, playground area at Linda Verde many times outside of school. Um, 
I went to Paiute Intermediate School from uh, junior high age, seventh grade through the eighth grade. That's where I uh, took my, uh, my home ec class and ordered my, my, my big scheme to try to get a girlfriend. And I ended up getting like a C in the class instead of a girlfriend. Uh, and I had to sew and cook and all these things. It was, it was, it was terrible. It was, it, my plan backfired. That took place at Paiute Intermediate School, and that was uh, a little, little more uh, north of town. And then I went to Antelope Valley High School. Uh, from uh, We were the Lopes. We were the Antelope Valley Antelopes. That was real creative, right? <laughs> like, couldn't we be something different? We were the Antelope Valley Antelopes. Um, so we were Lopes for short, and I graduated from there, went to a year of junior college at Antelope Valley College, and then went to four years of Bible college there in Lancaster as well at West Coast Baptist College. So I spent my first 22 years of life in Lancaster, California. That was my hometown. Now, Jesus, uh, Jesus grew up in Lazarus, uh, Lazareth. Uh, not Lazarus, Lazareth, okay? I'm getting my, uh, my names mixed up here, but um, Lazarus was where Jesus grew up, and he was there from, you know, he, he spent all of his growing up years until he was about 30 years old when he started his public ministry. So, so Nazareth was his hometown. That was, that was his crib. Uh, that was, you know, that's where his homeboys were, all right? Uh, and I, I don't want to be, you know, sacrilegious in saying that, but that's where the, the people, his friends that he grew up with, that, that's, where he, uh, that's where he grew up. Now, Lancaster was, is somewhat of an obscure town. Um, most of you probably haven't heard of that, other than me sharing where I grew up. Um, it's, it's not a top tourist destination. <laughs> uh, it's in the high desert, and uh, it's, uh, it's, a, it's kind of an obscure place. It's about 45 minutes from Edwards Air Force Base, and that's why we lived there, so that my dad could work at Edwards Air Force Base. And uh, it's an obscure town, but, uh, but, but actually Lancaster is not as obscure as Nazareth was in that day, Nazareth was also a very obscure town. In fact, uh, remember, um, Nazareth was one of those places that no one expected anything good to come out of Nazareth. Remember that statement that took place in the life of Christ where one of them said, uh, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Uh, because no one really uh, thought that uh, uh, much of Nazareth at all. And yet it was still Jesus' home land. It was his hometown. And so Jesus here makes his way uh, from Capernaum and all these miracles that he was doing. He makes his way to Nazareth, his hometown. Uh, we didn't quite go to Lancaster when we went back uh, to California a month and a half ago uh, for my brother's 40th birthday. Um, we went to surprise him for his 40th birthday. And he lives in Apple Valley, Hesperia area. And uh, that's about an hour away from uh, Lancaster. Uh, but I got to see a lot of my hometown family uh, that live in California. And so that was, that was wonderful. Well, Jesus here makes his way from Capernaum after a very busy season of ministry. And he comes home. And uh, now, <clears throat> he, he, was, he wanted to go home and, and certainly see some familiar sights, no doubt, and, and some familiar faces and, and minister to the people there and 
and uh, maybe rest a little bit. Well, how did it go as he goes back home? Uh, well, we'll see today that he wasn't exactly welcomed home. Uh, and so we're going to look this morning at the time that Jesus came unto his own, and sadly, how his own received him not. And so let's look first this morning at the return to his homeland. The return to his homeland. In, number one, in verse number one, it says, and again, he went out from thence and came into his own country, and his disciples follow him. So he comes back to his homeland. Now, there are a couple aspects about his homeland that I want us to consider this morning. First of all, it was familiar. It was familiar. Uh, it was familiar to him. I mean, I'm sure as he walked those streets of Nazareth, he, he had a lot of memories that came flooding back to, to him. Of course, he's Jesus. He knows all. But, but, but still, he's, he, he was also 100% man as well. And so I imagine that as he's walking, he's reminded of some of the things that he did on the streets there in Nazareth with uh, maybe when he was, you know, 15 years old with some of his friends. They went out and, and uh, enjoyed some time of fellowship and, and uh, he thought through some of those memories. Uh, it was about three, about three and a half years ago-ish that uh, uh, we went back to Lancaster and, um, and I remember walking and, and driving through the, 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 the the town there, and, and thinking back, oh yeah, I worked down there. I, that, there was a McDonald's on 20th Street East and Avenue J. That was my first real job. I worked at McDonald's. I was a fry technician. Um, I worked at the Golden Arches, right? And, uh, that, and, and, and so just all these memories come flooding back to me, and I imagine that's how it was for him. It was a familiar place. And, uh, and the people there, they, he was familiar with them. He grew up, he spent 30 years in Nazareth. And they knew him and he knew them. And so now he comes back after, after some time doing some miracles. And, and I'm sure they hear about, they've heard about all that Jesus has been doing. And so he comes in verse number two and it says, And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue and, and many hearing him. So they came to hear Jesus because, hey, this is our hometown hero. Uh, Jesus, and, and let's go hear him. He, he, he's from Nazareth, and, and he's kind of famous around these parts, and so let's go hear him. It says, many hear him, hearing him were astonished. They were, they were blown away. They, they, it was, it was mind-blowing. From whence hath this man these things, they begin to, to say to themselves. And, and what wisdom is this which is given unto him that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? Now, he was familiar to them as well, and, and, and perhaps a little too familiar to them. Because they're like, oh yeah, that's just Jesus, you know. Mr. Goody Two-Shoes never gets in trouble. Jesus, he comes back and teaches, and uh, they, he, they, he was very familiar to them, and perhaps even too familiar to them. Uh, to where they did not have, he, he went into all these other areas where they didn't know him and people received him, people believed on him, but, but he goes to his own hometown and these people are too familiar with him. And uh, just the encouragement for us this morning, I do want to mention this, that those of us who've been saved for a long time, uh, those of us who've been around the, the Bible and, and uh, know the Lord Jesus. 
for a long, long time, we can also potentially fall into the same trap of becoming too familiar with the things of God. To where it no longer means anything anymore. When a pastor goes and says, all right, we're going to look in this particular passage of Scripture, you're like, oh, I've been there, done that. I've even preached on this. And we can get kind of a cynical spirit, and we can kind of get used to it. I want to encourage us, uh, those of us who've been saved for a while, to make sure that we never lose the awe and the wonder of who Jesus is and the Scriptures. To, to let it become new and fresh uh, all the time and not just let it become, uh, I, I know this. I've been there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what's going to happen. I've already had this memorized, Pastor. I don't even need to be here. Uh, we can easily get into that mindset. And I believe that that's what uh, some of these people there in the synagogue were like, oh, yeah, Jesus, I've heard him talk. I've heard him say all this stuff before, and it's the same old, same old. Uh, it became too familiar to them. But this homeland that uh, he went back to was familiar, but notice here it was also favored. As I was studying through this, I discovered that uh, this, this, this trip that Jesus is making back to Nazareth was not the first time he made that trip in his public ministry. He actually went back earlier on in his public ministry to go back to his homeland. And uh, Luke records how he came back to Nazareth early on in his ministry. And, and if you would, we'll be back here in Mark 6 in a moment, but if you just turn in your Bible to Luke chapter number 4. This is a, this is a great thought. In Luke chapter number 4 and verse number 16. This is a different instance that he makes his way back to his hometown. Verse 16 says this in Luke chapter 4, He came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And he goes on and, and, and explains, verse 18, he, he, he explains what his purpose is in this early part of his ministry. Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty to them who are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. So he goes and explains all this. And uh, he goes on and keeps talking here. I don't want to take the time to go through all of this. Certainly you can later. But uh, as he gets to the end of his teaching and preaching, let's pick it up in verse number 28. How did, the home, how did his homeland receive him and, and how did they respond to him when he first came back the first time? Verse 28. And all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, congratulated him and said, Great sermon, Jesus. That's not what verse 28 says at all. And they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath. In verse 29, here's what they did. It, they didn't just have anger in their hearts and just like leave mad. This is what they ended up doing. Verse 29, they rose up, they thrust him out of the city, led him unto the brow of the hill whereon their city was built that they might cast him down headlong. So they were so upset that they, um, and I really hope I don't make this church family upset today, because I really don't want to re repeat and live what just happened here. 
But what they did is they took Jesus to the hill of the city, and they were about, they, they, they had decided that we're going to conspire together, and we're going to push Jesus off the cliff, and he's going to die. That's what they really endeavored to do here, uh, his first time in Nazareth. Back after growing up there, he comes home for the first time, and uh, instead of everybody throwing a big party and the welcome home Jesus, they endeavor to try to kill him. Now, notice what happens here in verse number 30, and I just, I just love this. And I, and I know I went through this a, a couple, uh, maybe even last Sunday, I, maybe I, I referenced this, or, or the Sunday before anyway. Verse 30 says, but he... So that they're, they're all together. This big mob is going to push Jesus over the, over the cliff. Verse 30 says, but he passing through the midst of them went his way. <laughs> like, you, you try to kill me, it, it's not happening. No one killed Jesus. The Bible says he laid his life down for us. No man could take his life. Jesus laid it down uh, voluntarily. And that's why he died on the cross for us. It's not because... A man made it happen, and he was, he was forced to do it. No, no, it was something that he laid his life down for us. But that's how he was treated the very first time back in Nazareth. So he goes home, and uh, instead of a big party and a big festival and, and uh, lots of food and, and lots of enjoyment and rejoicing because Jesus is home, instead, they try to kill him. Okay? So that's how he was, that's how they reacted the first time he came back. But notice here in Mark chapter 6, if we flip back over to Mark chapter 6, he goes back to Nazareth. He was rejected. They didn't want him there. They were upset. They tried to kill him. And now in Mark chapter 6, a little later on, he goes out from thence, came into his own country and says, I'm going back. I'm going to give them another chance. I've thought about in my own life how many times I heard the gospel when I was growing up. How many times I heard about Jesus dying on the cross for me. And I just kind of let it go in one ear and out the other. And I kind of just rejected him. But then the message came back to me. And it came back to me. Even though I kept rejecting him, his grace and that message kept coming back to me. And finally, one day, I received that message. I'm glad that Jesus came back to Nazareth the second time. Even though they rejected him the first time, that shows us his amazing grace. He was willing to come back to this people who rejected him the first time. Aren't you glad that his love and his care for us does not depend upon our attitudes, actions, or affections? And his grace is amazing. Well, you would again think that the people of Nazareth, as he returns to his homeland the second time, maybe thought, oh, no, we, we kind of messed up last time. You know, trying to kill him, that was maybe a little bit of an overreaction. You think? <laughs> Um, you would have thought that they would have been, you know, a little more welcoming in this moment, in this second return, and that they would have maybe put a banner up and said, welcome home, Jesus, please forgive us for trying to kill you last time, but no such banner was created. 
That's not exactly what happened because notice number two here, not only the return to his homeland, but the rejection of his homeland. Verse number two, as they're hearing what he's teaching in the synagogue, they went to go uh, hear what he had to say, and, and uh, they began to say, well, where did he get all this stuff? How is he doing all of these things? And we're hearing about all the miracles and the works that he's doing. How is he doing it all? Like, what's your secret? What, what, what's your source? What's going on? Give, give us the inside scoop. We, we need to know the mystery. We, they thought he was some type of magician, maybe. That it was all sleight of hand. or uh, what, what, What's giving you all this power here? And then they ask the question in verse number three. Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, and lists his siblings there? And then notice verse number three at the very end of it. It says, and they were offended at him. A couple thoughts about the rejection of his homeland. First of all, they totally denied his deity. They totally denied his deity. As they're asking the question, how, how is he doing all of this? Where, where's he getting all this power? The answer was because he is God himself. But they just didn't get that part at all. Because in verse number three, Instead of saying, is not this the son of God? They said, is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary? That was a reference merely to his humanity. There's no reference at all there to his deity. Now, no doubt the people knew about the miraculous way in which Jesus was born. That probably was not hidden from the people there in Nazareth because of the fact they grew up with, with Jesus and, and they knew about his birth, I'm sure. And no doubt they heard about the miracles that he had just been doing and they, they did. And they could tell that as he was teaching there was something quite different. But they failed to realize that Jesus was indeed God. And that's the whole reason for the miracles and the teaching was to point to the fact that he wasn't just an ordinary man from an ordinary obscure town, but that he was, in fact, the Son of God, the Messiah, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And they still chose to ignore the fact that he did not do this of his own accord. And they chose to totally deny his deity. Now, friend... I do want to just point out the fact that Jesus is 100% man, but he is also 100% God. Uh, he is God in human flesh. The Bible says in John chapter 1, the word uh, became flesh and dwelt among us. In uh, John 1 and verse 1, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. And then in verse 14 of John, it says the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. See, Jesus is not just a man. Uh, he is also God in human flesh. A deity robed Himself in humanity. God became flesh and dwelt among us. And the people there in His homeland who saw Him grow up, they totally rejected the fact that He wasn't just a man. He was also God. So they totally denied his deity, but they also were totally displeased with him as well. 
Verse number three at the end of it, and they were offended at him. Perhaps it was jealousy. Perhaps it was how humble and lowly he was. And they were expecting the Savior to be the typical king-type personality who would come in with great power and splendor and pomp and circumstance. But instead, Jesus comes with a couple ragtag motley crew of disciples. And so they were offended at him and they said, no, this, this can't be the Messiah because uh, that's, that's just Jesus. He's from Nazareth. That's, no, 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 that's not how it's supposed to go in their mind. Whatever it was, the Bible says they were offended at him. And many times when people do not accept who Jesus is and what he has said, their hearts become hardened and they get offended at him. Saul of Tarsus was this way. If you remember that, he rejected Jesus, who he was, what he did, and what he said. He rejected all of it. And, and, and as a result, he became so offended that he made it his life's purpose to eradicate all Christians and Christianity as a whole from off the face of the earth. And so instead of really focusing on his business, tent making, and all of that, instead he went to go try to kill Christians because he was so offended at Christ. There are people in our society that are so offended by our beliefs and values as Christians. And the reason for it is because they have chosen to reject the Lord Jesus personally. If someone is so offended at, and I've shared this before, I, I worked at a, uh, I've shared it recently a couple times, um, but I, I worked at a, a major uh technology company. I want to be careful because this is online. And uh, I, I, got, I got brought into my, uh, my boss's office. They asked me to come into uh, the office because they had to have a counseling session with me. Counseling session is not something you really want in this particular company. It means you messed up. It means you did something wrong. And I'm like, what did I do? You know, I'm kind of racking my brain like, what did I do? I, I'm trying to think, you know, did I make sure that, you know, I didn't, I, I, I was thinking through things and I, I was just at a loss. And they're like, okay, well, you're probably wondering why you're having a counseling session. I'm like, yes, can you please tell me? And they said, well, some of your, some of your employees, some of your peers, uh, not employees, but some of your peers, coworkers, uh, were complaining about you using religious words on the floor. I'm like, okay, go on. What, what, what have I said? And they said, well, you, you say the word bless a lot. And uh, that's, that's got a religious connotation to it, and it's offending some of your peers. We, we, would ju- you know, we, we understand that you know, your religion is very important to you, and uh, that's, we just ask you to kind of leave it outside. And I'm like, well, the thing is, is I can't really leave it outside. <laughs> Because the Lord lives inside of me. And, uh, and the word bless, you're really honestly talking to me.